House Speaker Joe Sikarch returns to our broadcast, fresh from uh, wrapping up the session. He's joining us remotely. Mr. Speaker, nice to have you on again. Always a pleasure to be on your show, Gene. Nice to, nice to uh, uh, be here with you, uh, as always. All right, I appreciate it. Uh, listen, let's get right to it. You uh, supported passage of this Safe Clinics bill, where a drug abuser could take his own illegal drugs, go in and shoot up under supervision. There's maybe a nurse there or a clinician to make sure they don't overdose and die in the streets alone. Would you want one of those places in your district in Warwick? I would not want anything in anybody's community unless the local uh, community supported it. And the legislation you're talking about came over from the Senate, and it was the House that it uh, put uh, caveats or what I would call guardrails on it. If you read the legislation, uh, we're not approving any of these sites anywhere. We're letting each community, each city and town council make the decision whether they want one and if they want one, where they want one. We are also not using any state funds whatsoever in this, or any taxpayer funds. This is all going to be privately funded. This is a two-year, 24-month experiment. It's a private program to see if this works and see what kind of benefits it has. It has worked in other communities yeah. successfully, namely Toronto, and we're looking at this as a way to another tool in the tool uh, belt to help us with the war on drugs. Right. So the way the is written, Gene. It's very important because this has not been said either on the radio or on TV or anywhere in the media. But we're not approving any of these sites. We're letting cities and towns, if they want to, your community may want one, your, my community may not want. We're letting each city and town make that decision. This is enabling legislation. Right. But I did support I think the idea to test it and to study it and to look at it. It's a good idea. Right. By the way, I did mention, it, mention that repeatedly it's up to the local towns to accept or reject. In fact, it came up in conversation with Senate President Ruggiero. He's getting a little heat for his answer. He voted to allow for this. Yes, you can have them think outside the box. The question is, where did the box go? He doesn't want the box in his district, and I, I don't know, do you want the box in your district? Because if you're going to allow it, you're going to have to take yeah. it, too. Well, it's not that whether I want it. I want to let my local city and town council, my town council president is my councilman, Steve McAllister, Warwick. Yeah. I'll let him and the town council make the decision. If they think there's a need for it in Warwick and, and there's a proper location, that I would support it. If they okay. don't, I would support that decision. That's why the legislation was crafted in the way it was, so that each community can make that decision. It wasn't Capitol Hill, yeah. Hill, or the state house making decision, forcing it in some one per person's district or address. We let the local community. And by the way, if 39 cities and towns don't want it, we don't do it. Okay, and I understand, but I want to. I understand. Three communities on it. I understand. Pawtucket has expressed some interest in it. Possibly, Providence has expressed some interest in it. So if those communities, have, even one uh, in the East Bay has expressed community. I can't remember, but uh, you know, during the testimony and. A lot of the advocates, advocates who wanted us to explore this idea uh, said there were communities. That was my first question. Which community would want to host it? And you'd be surprised. There are communities that already provide these kinds of services to a different degree. Now, you said, you know, it, uh, people come into a safe place and do their drugs. They'd be counseled. They'd, they'd see medical professionals. They would be tested. They'd be counseled. They'll be treated. The idea is to help get them off drugs, right. not to provide a safe haven to do it. We may provide a safe haven temporarily to get them in because we're going to give them treatment as well. It's a unique, I know it's thinking out of the box, but I think we need to think out of the box when it comes to the war on drugs. Listen, I'm very sympathetic to the politicians. You, you, you're faced with a crisis. People are dying. Nobody wants anybody to die on the street, but you have to listen to constituents too. So I'm hearing from you that if Warwick okays it, you're okay with it coming 
to your city. Absolutely, yes. If the city council were to approve this, I would not object in any way, shape, or form. Okay. And I appreciate that making that point known uh, in your broadcast because I haven't heard it anywhere else in the regular media. So thank you, Gene. No, it came up several times on the radio. That's how I got into the uh, the question with Senate President Majorio. Also, Blake Filippi, the Republican, you know, right of center, but he went along with this. And again, he said, let's try something to save lives. It's an experiment. I do yeah. want to point out, though, that if somebody goes in that clinic and shoots up under supervision, they're not, they're not uh, obligated to sit for counseling, they could leave no. under the influence of drugs and get in the car and kill someone. Unfortunately, it's not a neat package that we can wrap up and say it's a perfect system. It's not, right, Speaker? No, clearly you are 100% correct, but okay. they could they could do what you just said, whether we're in that center or not. The difference is in that center, there are medical professionals who will hopefully attempt to counsel them not to do what you just said, but if they're taking drugs illegally, they can do it anywhere at their home, their office, in their car, anywhere they want. So we're looking at this idea as a way to, to attack it, a problem differently. I want to point out there are no uh, taxpayer funds used in this, and it's a two-year, 24-month pilot program. And if we don't have good results, we terminate the program. By the way, the program automatically terminates. Yeah. It doesn't do automatically. We'd have to reauthorize it only if it works, only if we have real data to show that it's effective and it works. And if we have data that shows the opposite, then I don't think this program would get renewed. Okay, uh, let's move on to another topic. Just this week, we're going to get to the budget and everything else, which is sort of old business, but new businesses. The governor just vetoed uh, a registry of Airbnbs. In other words, if you're going to rent on a short term to strangers coming in, we want it registered. The state wants to keep track. The governor says the Division of Taxation already knows that they're being rented out. That's enough. Let the locals deal with it. Senate President Ruggieri is very angry over that. We just had a murder in Newport. I know the mayor of Newport wanted this separate registry. Where do you come down on that? There may be a veto override on this. What are you hearing? Yeah, there may be a veto over. I'd have to talk to the sponsor of the uh, the House version, Lauren Carson. Uh, I am disappointed. I put out a statement with the Senate president yesterday. We took a lot of testimony on, on this particular issue. And uh, unfortunately, what happens is a lot of people, when they look at review legislation, they look at the first version of it and not the last version of it. We took into a lot of those concerns. People were afraid that we were going to mandate them to put, uh, you know, commercial sprinkler grade yeah. uh, fire apparatus in their homes. They were concerned about uh, all different forms of, of scare tactics that a lot of these platforms, you know, sent emails out to their neighbors, contact your state representative, contact your senator. Mm -hmm. But in the end, it's a simple registration, just as you said, Gene, so people know, cities and towns know where they are. Massachusetts has a registration. I want to point out it was not regulation, but registration. It's right. just so we know who's renting who into a neighborhood because they are, in essence, hotel rooms. Right. And when you rent them out to the public, sometimes you're in a residential neighborhood with a lot of children and you don't know what type of person is renting that room in a hotel, which is really your next door neighbor's house. So we want people to be aware. It's a notice provision. It wasn't a lot to ask. I know DBR was not in favor of the additional work that they had to do to enable it, but the cities and towns supported this very strongly as uh, the overall majority of my membership, I think it passed 60 to 9 uh, when it was approved earlier this month or last month in June. Yeah. So I think if we were to override the veto, the votes would be there. I'm going to wait for the formal veto message. I'm going to talk to my uh, Senate counterpart, the president, and we'll come together and see what we're going to do on this. But I would point right. out that this supported overwhelming by both chambers and the League of Cities and Towns who really stressed that they wanted this tool. Now, it's a notice. That's all it is. It's not regulation. 
I understand. By the no. way, we're doing a Zoom today, so sometimes our transition could be a little rough, but I'm hearing what you're saying, and, and uh, this is a not ideal, but we have to move ahead. Uh, this leads me to an interesting question. You just gave Governor McKee $2 billion more than he asked for in the budget. You're making it easy for him. And he wouldn't give you the Airbnb registry, a, little, a piddly little thing like that? What's at play here? Mr. Speaker. Well, first of all, I'm talking about the $2 billion in one minute, but I don't look at it that way. I don't make a budget decision and then expect something in return each issue. And I have a lot of respect for the governor, the role he pays, and any governor for that matter, and the role they play, as I'm sure he does with the General Assembly. So uh, it wasn't like I gave him $2 billion, I will go approve all the House bills. It doesn't work that way, Gene. I know to some people, they think it works that way, but we actually have a great personal relationship, as yeah. we all share that same one with the Senate president. Uh, but each issue is individual. So the Senate President and I don't agree on issues, and I may agree with the governor and vice versa. Okay. But at the end of the day, we make a decision based on the $2 billion you're talking about. It's very misleading because you say, oh, we gave $2 billion extra the governor asked for. A lot of that money was federal money right. that, uh, for example, enhanced unemployment benefits. When someone goes out on unemployment and they get the federal uh, enhancement, the federal government doesn't send them the check. The federal government sends the check to the state of Rhode Island, to the Division of Unemployment, and then we, in turn, send that money to, to the Rhode Island resident who's unemployed. We are acting as a pass-through. So a lot of that extra money that, you know, some people concerned, oh, the budget went up, well, that was federal money specifically right. in our uh, programs, and the state acted as a pass-through, as it has to. All money that gets appropriate has to go right. through the General Assembly. Also, the city and town money, the CDBG grant money, a lot of money was given toward education that had to, again, go through the state budget as well. So that federal money came to us with very uh, strict restrictions right. on how and what it could be used for, and we had to disseminate it accordingly, and that's why the budget was enhanced above uh, the previous budget and above what the governor asked for. Okay. And quite frankly, I don't think the state of Rhode Island should turn down any federal money. If the federal government is going to give the state of Rhode Island money and a congressional delegation, Jack Reed, Sheldon Whitehouse, Jim Langevin, David Cicilline do a phenomenal job. They are all, you know, boxing above their weight, as I like to say. We, Rhode Island gets its fair share and then some because of them. I don't want to turn that money down. I want that money to go to Rhode Island. Okay. I don't want to send it back to Washington or go to Texas or Idaho or California. If we're getting federal money, I don't want to use it in the state of Rhode Island. All right, I'll tell, let's hold it there. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll dig a little more into where this money is going. Uh, Speaker Shikarchi is going to stay with us for one more segment. Welcome back. House Speaker Joe Shikarchi is my guest. Let's do a kind of a lightning round. We have so many topics to get to here, but we fleshed out a good portion at the beginning. Uh, we have a hospital system that's a mess. The state hospitals, often the last resort for our neediest people. It's a mess. Now, there's money for that, uh, but there may not be a plan. What are you hearing, Speaker? I think the governor's... Uh release some broad-based themes of what he thinks the plan will look like. We are waiting in the General Assembly for the governor's plan, and we will have public hearings and a full public vetting on it, and we'll stand ready to do a hot of that. Let's not forget that these are the most vulnerable Rhode Islanders. These are the Rhode Islanders who need our assistance the most, and members of the House, the House Oversight Committee and the House Finance Committee will do a deep dive and make sure that we address that issue. But ultimately, it's an executive function, and we're going to wait for the governor to give us our plan. But whether that plan comes this week or next week or next month, we're ready to work in action along with the governor to implement that plan in the best interest of the patients of Zamborano Hospital. 
What's the plan to fix DCYF? It's been a mess under several governors, several speakers, too. DCYF has remained a troubled agency for as long as I can remember. And, it, and part of that is that, um, unfortunately, they take care of troubled youth as well. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, most of the time, it's not the youth's uh, fault. It's the circumstances they find themselves in. So through our finance committee and our oversight committee, we had a series of hearings regarding DCYF and the care. And, and also the uh, child uh, advocate, uh, Jennifer Griffin, who was a big advocate for children under the care of DCYF. And it was the membership at the Republican, it was a bipartisan effort, Republican and uh, a Democratic effort. And, and it spanned the whole globe, the whole spectrum of the most conservative and the most uh, uh, progressive members mm -hmm. of the General Assembly all wanted to see increased funding to DCYF. So we, we had the funds this year. We were able to give them an additional $10 million yeah. to hire an additional 90 uh, FTEs. That's full-time equivalent. Those are 90 positions. We are very hopeful that uh, DCYF uses those for frontline workers, not necessarily top or middle-level yeah. management people, but the actual case workers who interact with the children, the families, the foster settings, the investigators. That's where we think we can do the most hope. DCYF is on a path for accreditation. We stand by to assist them and to monitor that plan. In addition to that, we're gonna see how they do on this. We're gonna to continue to have oversight hearings over through the summer on this. And then if the need be, we'll, we'll consider an audit at some future day as okay. well. But at the end of the day, we have provided resources more than they've ever seen. Yeah. I have gotten letters and congratulations from the workers at DCYF, from the, the caseload workers, from the union, from the advocates outside, all very grateful the house made this huge investment into DCYF. It's all about the children, the troubled, troubled children yeah. under the state care. We have to give them the best opportunity to succeed. And that's what we did in this budget. All right, let's keep going. So that's the unfinished business, pending business, the hospitals, DCYF. Still no teacher's contract in Providence. The state took it over. The governor's largely running the system de facto through his education uh, commissioner. But you oversee a lot of the money that goes into the Providence. In fact, most of most of the money that goes to Providence comes from the state. Are you dissatisfied with the way things are going? Do you think the Crowley Act should be invoked and just give the teachers a contract and end it? Uh, no, I, I think I'm going to give the governor a chance. I have been in communications. I want to you know, uh, thank the governor. Uh, both he has briefed the Senate president and I. I expect the contract very shortly. The governor has uh, the his side of the negotiation table. He's been much more involved personally. Uh, I would not be surprised if this gets resolved in very short order. I don't have an exact time, but I expect this to be resolved very shortly. The governor's working very hard. I know it's a top priority of his. So the jury's still out, but I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll come to a resolution in short order. Well, you're hearing something I'm not hearing. So you think within a couple of weeks you're going to get news on this? You're going to have a deal? I wouldn't say the word couple of weeks. I think it's short time. It may it may be July, it may be August, but I think the governor will have a contract resolution. That's my understanding. He's been working very hard. He's got uh, Tony Alfonso on his uh, very talented attorney uh, leading negotiations. Tony's brief the Senate president myself, and he's confident that he can resolve outstanding issues, like I said, hopefully before the school year starts. All right, let's go to other unfinished business. There was supposed to be a review with the police officer's Bill of Rights. It didn't happen. Where do you stand with that? Are you going to come back in special session and take another look at that, or is, it, is that something that's just going to stay the way it is? No, no, we're, we're working very hard. First of all, let me tell you that uh, that's a very important issue, and we worked very hard on that with a lot of stakeholders, the police, the police union, 
the police chiefs, the advocates, the sponsors, the governor's office. And we, we thought we were very close to a resolution. Unfortunately, we just couldn't get everybody together. But I want to point out that another big, very important issue were body cameras, which we were able to, yes. again, put a lot of time, a lot of effort behind it. We were able to resolve that. And I think we're the only state in the union that will fully fund body cameras for any municipality that wants them. That was a big achievement. And let's, uh, more important than I honestly think that one of the most important things we've done in the session, body cameras are gonna, the police want the body cameras, the community wants the body cameras. I think it's important that we all, whenever there's an altercation or there's an incident, that we have unbiased video, sometimes even video and audio to resolve it, come to a conclusion that's proper for everybody. All right, we've got about two minutes left, so let's get to more unresolved issues, maybe coming back in special session to address legalizing marijuana. What's taking so long? To the right, Massachusetts, to the left, Connecticut, depending on whether you're looking north or south, and where the sourdough in the middle. Why not fast enough? Well, uh, because I want to do it right, Jan. I think it's very important that we do it right. There's a lot of advocates, not universal, and everybody wants to legalize marijuana to begin with. There are many uh, stakeholders, the insurance industry is opposed to it. The medical community is opposed to it. A lot of the educators are opposed to it. But nevertheless, you're right. It's here. It's all around us. First of all, we have a lot of uh, cultivators here in the state. We have a lot of dispensaries here. The state's about to uh, license another six additional dispensaries, yeah. I think, in the month of August. Uh, it's very important that we do this right. The proposals that I have seen, primarily from the Senate and from the governor, are very divergent. Some of the proposals reduce the revenue some of the for the state some of the proposals create a monopoly give us the license to sell and by the way don't let anybody yeah. else sell okay. so we need to do this and we need to do it right uh, but i point out that if anybody needs marijuana for medical purposes it's very readily available and if anybody wants to use it for recreational purposes i think a lot of people are already doing it i just think when yeah. the state sanctions something it needs to be done right and it's the same philosophy we you talked about the policeman's bill of rights a minute ago we're going to work over the summer on these issues. One if minute, one minute. Go ahead, wrap it up. We just got the warning on the computer. Go ahead. If we can come to conclusion, we'll come back and, and resolve these issues. But uh, just because we're not meeting in session every day means doesn't mean the work has stopped. We're going to continue to work on the very important issues. Okay. All right. Well, you also have to come back possibly and deal with the fight over driver's licenses for illegals. I've got about 30 seconds, a hard 30. Listen, you had a fire at your law office. There's no, yes. there's no uh, explanation for that. Are you concerned that somebody set that fire? Are you satisfied with the answer that you may never know? Just take 20 seconds to go. I can't let you go without answering that. Yeah, no, no problem. I, I, want, I really don't want to comment the specifics. I have met with the police and the authorities. They're okay. still under investigation. They're professionals. I trust them, and we'll let the process play itself out. Very good. House Speaker Joe Sakarchi, it's nice to have you on. I think we covered a lot of ground, but there's more, there's more room left. We'll have you on again. Thank you, sir. Have a great day. You too. And thank you. That's 10 News Conference, the number one and longest running political show.